Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. I am Carrie Anderson of Cardio Dance Babes. And again, thank you so much for joining the Shiro Shift. So as you all may remember, um, I have been collecting these stories of super women, right? Because I had this experience back at the holidays where I was in line behind um, a lady who was a veteran and I didn't realize it because she didn't you know she wasn't dressed in any sort of way so there was no way to know and it got me thinking about how often we are in the company of everyday superwomen and we don't even realize it and then that kind of led me to believe well really every woman's a superwoman and every superwoman has a story and every story has the potential to help of other women. And that's kind of why we started bringing these stories into the Cardio Dance Babe space, because this is ultimately a place for women to connect with other women. And how better to do that than actually sitting at the feet of other super women and listening to their stories. Um, I, I wanna say too, before we get into this conversation, that I've been thinking about this conversation a lot and I have to say this is one of the most important conversations that I think we'll have here on the Shiro Shift because um, this is a story about how and if you can find some happiness after the worst possible thing in the world could happen to you. So like, how do you live your very, very best life in the worst of circumstances? Um, and our guest today, I think, first of all, is just an absolutely amazing, amazing woman. And many of you already know her because um, she worked at the local YMCA with Reagan and Vanessa and myself, and that's where I know her. And um, I actually work very closely with her because she's my bookkeeper, <laughs> which is nice. Um, but if you have never met this beautiful spirit sitting here in front of me, let me introduce you to Karen Camarado, who is, I, I mean, of all of the super women, so far, she is one with an absolutely incredible story, and you don't want to miss this one. So if you're coming back later, make some space in your weekend to listen to this story because it's an important one. 
Karen, again, is, if you're local to Greenville, South Carolina, she's a bookkeeper. So let me go ahead and say that. If you need a bookkeeper, she is fantastic. She works with Adam, my husband, and me, which is like a hard job. Trust me. It's a hard job to work with my husband, Adam. But she does it, and she does it beautifully. She's engaged to Jerry, her boyfriend. She's been divorced for 30 years. She has, was married for 30 years. Excuse me. Married for 30 years, divorced, divorced after 30. For like five or something. <laughs> she has three kids, Brooke, Colin, and Nicholas. Nicholas passed away when he was eight. So we're going to get a little bit more into that conversation later. But first, we have to talk about Tucker, who was her shih tzu and whom she loves. Um, she loves doing personal development, organizing things, which is why she loves QuickBooks. I can't understand it and learning she also has some experience with helping coach other grieving mothers through the time period after the death of a child which i i can't even imagine doing it's such such hard and important work karen thank you for being here thank you so much for spending your friday with me i appreciate you always always how you doing I'm good. I'm just like a little overwhelmed after all that. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, what the hell was she talking about? <laughs> but it's really, that was really nice. And thank you so much. That was really sweet. Tell me, are you from here locally? No. Okay. Um, tell, me, tell me where you're I from. was born in Buffalo, New York, and I grew up in Connecticut and was there until I graduated from high school. And then Got married very young, 19 years old, and we, my husband was in the Air Force. So we ended up in Michigan, which then ended up here in Greenville and been here ever since. Yeah. So you had your first child when? Uh, 1987. Yeah. We had just moved here. I, he was born in Michigan right before my ex was getting out of the Air Force and he got this job at Lockheed and we moved here. So Nick was literally like weeks old when we moved here. Okay. So you've been here several. A several long time. Yeah, yeah. 30, 30 years or something. And did you work when you were, when you, your kids were little? Yeah, I always worked. Um, I always been an office type person, office manager, purchasing, bookkeeping, like all that stuff. And yeah, my kids always went to daycare. I feel like the it's way harder to be a stay at home mom than to be a mom who goes to work. I it's agree. it's tiring. <laughs> I know that it's really tiring, but it's just um it's just mentally hard to stay home with kids. So and like the daycare people were amazing. They always supported me and they taught my kids how to like go to the bathroom on the toilet and do all the things. So, I mean, I'm really, I was blessed that I had a good place for them to go, but yeah, I was never a stay at home mom really. Nope. So can you get us a little bit into the story surrounding Nicholas? Sure. Um, so at first I just want to say like, whenever I tell the story, um, I've told it a lot of times and I always want it to feel 
I always want people to know that it feels really important to me. And so I don't want it to sound mechanical, but I've told it so many times and I kind of have the way I tell it. And um, so just know that it, it does touch me and it is from my heart, but. Um, so how many so, years ago did you lose him? Um, 25 years ago. Okay. Yeah. 1996. Um, so at the time, he was eight. My daughter, Brooke was one. She was just born. And the actual, he was an amazing kid first. Let me just say, just like everything you think a kid should be. He was just funny. He was adorable. He loved me. Like he, he loved me. And I honestly, I don't know that I've ever had anyone love me like that before or since, (laughs) but it was, it was great. We were just very close. And I think part of it was, you know, just to be honest, it did not have the greatest marriage just pretty much from the get-go. And so I think I just put all of my eggs in his basket. I just totally fell in love with him when he was born and only had him for seven years before Brooke was born. So anyway, um, that day we were home. It was a School was canceled because of snow here. It was cold. It was January 12th. And we lived in a small neighborhood right off of Holland Road in Simpsonville. And um, it was right after Christmas. He had just gotten a new hockey stick. He was like, I want to go out and play in the road and just in our little circle. I'm like, yeah, me and Brooke stayed in. We still had jammies on. We just staying warm in the house. Daycare was canceled. School was canceled. So it was just like, a day to blow off work and not do anything. And so he went out to play. And then the next thing I knew, maybe like an hour later, there was a kid knocking on my door, like banging on my door, screaming that Nick had fallen in the pond. And I really just didn't even know what that meant. Like, I forgot we had a pond in our neighborhood. It wasn't something that was near me or near, you know, near us. I didn't really notice it, even though we drove by it every day, you know, you just forget that it was part of the neighborhood, but it had gotten a, a frozen layer of ice over the top of it. And, um, one of his friends that, that he was playing with that day had gone out on there to like play around. He was stomping around and he fell in. And so Nicholas crawled out on there to try to help him. And, when he did that, the ice beneath him broke as well. And the way that I know this is just from the witnesses, the other kids that were there. Um, all, and of then, the, all of those children being around that same eight-year-old age as yeah. well. Yeah, the boy who fell in first was 11. Um, but, you know, all around the same age, all, you know, just boys. And... You know, whenever um, the boy was knocking on my door, I just kind of like said, stay with Brooke. (laughs) I just left my one-year-old daughter with a complete kid. Um, I took off running. I had no shoes on, jammy bottoms. Like, I don't even know. And I just ran over to that pond and there was just a big black hole in the ice. No, nobody there. Um, There was a lady on the other side who was like, holding an extension cord. Like that's what she tried to use to help, I guess. But, 
you know, I really don't understand how it all happened. I still can't believe it. I don't know how much time had passed by the time I got there. But, you know, in the meantime, as soon as I got there, all sorts of emergency personnel started showing up. There was helicopters and police cars and everything. And um, I just, you know, I was just like paralyzed. I sat on the side of the pond and I'm just looking and watching the whole thing unfold. And um, the divers um, had to comment, you know, they had to have divers. I mean, who would have known that this little pond in our neighborhood was deep enough to, you know, have a child drown in there. And my son knew how to, how to swim. So it wasn't that he didn't know how to swim. I think there was just other circumstances with the cold weather, you know, that made it impossible, I guess, to swim. Anyway, it took, it felt like a very, very long time for them to find them, the boys. And, um, but eventually they did, they pulled Brandon out first and then, uh, they had a little boat out there, like a little rowboat. And then they pulled Nick out and I really couldn't see him except for his shoes. I could see his little Air Jordans, his Michael Jordan sneakers. And, you know, so I just thought, well, you know, I 45 minutes has gone by or whatever, but maybe it'll be all right. Um, by this time, my husband had pulled up and, you know, was there with me and, a police officer took us. We followed the ambulances to the hospital and we got, we got right to the hospital. And by the time we got there, they put us in this little tiny room. It was like, I had no idea what that room was. And I didn't realize that's the room they put you in when you're about to get some bad news, but I didn't know that. Um, But anyway, they came and told us, that he didn't make it and they tried, but you know, he, he drowned. That's how he died. And, um, you know, from there it's like a complete blur. And now that I work with other moms, I think this is just really common that, you know, you just go into like this fog mode where you, I think it's your brain or your absolutely your brain trying to, um, you know, protect you from something that is just too much to handle. And so, you know, we went through the motions of everything. People came, um, tons of people were there, funeral, all of that. I just, you know, it's a real blur to me. Um, when do you remember when you kind of woke back up? I think it was like six months or so, maybe before I really can start remembering things. I went back to work right away, like two weeks. And, you know, a lot of people say they can't do that. Like a lot of moms can't do that. But to me, I think it was, it was important for me. I got a lot of support at work and I, we had bills, like we had to pay our bills and there was no money from extra people because something bad's happened to you. Like that just, it's not what happens. And so I went to work and had a lot of therapy right at work, just telling my story, talking to people, you know, there were just a few key people that really helped me along, but 
I do remember, and this was probably around six months, um, one of the neighbors called to just check on me, I think. But she said, I, it's really, uh, I've noticed you're doing so much better than um, Brandon's mom. She's really a mess. And, and I'm just so glad that you're doing better. You're so strong, you know? And I just thought that was like the worst thing you could say to me. Like I was that's the only time I ever remember really being angry because, you know, they say like the stages of grief, one of them is anger. And I never really had that except for that phone call that day, because I just felt like she was basically saying, well, you know, you must not have loved your son as much as Brandon loved uh, Brandon's mom loved him because, you know, you're okay. And she's not. And I mean, it just, it really hurt. So that's kind of when I started realizing like the things that people say right. are just, you know, so as I go through this journey, like part of my mission is to let people know some of the things that can be hurtful and, you know, and also just the mission of letting people know if you live in South Carolina and you're from somewhere else, you cannot walk on ice anywhere. So that's just something I always want to try to tell people because we have so many people living here from somewhere else. And like in Michigan, when we lived there, we drove on the ice. Like they would drive out and do ice fishing, you know, so people maybe don't realize the, the little I danger. Well, so and, I, and I, I think too, uh, many, I've lived here my whole life. So I think sometimes Northerners think our winters are a joke and our, our winters are not cold enough to sustain ice of any kind. So our, exactly. our ice is especially dangerous because A, we don't, we don't really prep our roads well enough. Um, and it doesn't make sense for us to always have the preparations needed to weather that because sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So oh, it's like so true. And when so we first wild. moved here, I remember couldn't believe there was an ice storm and I just couldn't believe everything was canceled and closed. Uh -huh. But you know, now that I've lived here and I know, yeah, well, it's totally different in Connecticut and in Buffalo, they've got all the equipment, all the people at the ready, you know, and you're back and running within you know, a few hours here, we, we here really, it's not like that. It doesn't even make sense for like our department of transportation to put money into that kind of thing, because we don't know if we'll even use it. So it's, it really is. People don't realize how, how dangerous our ice storms really, really are. So right. I, I agree. There needs to be some education on that. Yeah. Yeah. So six months later or so you start kind of coming back around to your life. What does life look like then? Just very numb, very dull, but everything poured into my daughter completely just everything. And not just me, like our whole family was just broke, 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 poor girl. You know, I mean, she was <laughs> overwhelmed by people, but she turned out to be a really amazing person. And I feel like that has something to do with it. And my son, Colin came along shortly after and same thing, you know, those were the two that helped me the most. And 
I am so lucky that I have them because honestly, I deal with moms all the time that don't have that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, you know, I always try to figure out how would I have gotten through if I didn't have her because she was the reason to get up in the morning and to take a shower and get dressed and feed ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's just no telling what would have happened if I didn't have those two. And And did you, do you find that moms who even do have that are always even able to pour back into their other children? No, no, not at all. But I mean, I just think it helps. I mean, I think for, you know, even though there's all these issues, because especially depending on the age of the child, like Brooke, she thinks she remembers, but she doesn't, you know, there's no way that she could, but she thinks she remembers Nick. But, you know, for people that have older children who also have to grieve through this, and then a husband that has to grieve and, you know, the grandparents are all grieving, it's really complicated. And, you know, for moms that are are doing this, I think sometimes they put those children in front of themselves um, to allow the grief. But, you know, for me, I just look back and say, thank God I had a reason to get up. I guess I would have found a different reason if I had to, but I was lucky. So can we jump a little bit into then what happens in your family? What happens with your marriage? What happens with your, with your career? What, what happens after this? You know, uh, I, they always say that this is like the most dangerous thing for a marriage. Um, so many of these situations end in divorce. And I mean, it seems to be very true because a lot of the people that I deal with are having marital problems or have gotten a divorce. But I believe that I had a, my marriage was not perfect anyway. So this just like exaggerated the problem. And, you know, for some couples, it brings them together. So I really am not going to blame it on, you know, blaming the loss of my marriage on it. It took many, many years before I ever ended up getting a divorce. So um, it wasn't the thing that broke us, but it, you know, it didn't help. And, you know, just men and women grieve differently, you know, for the most part, it's just men and women are different. And so it makes sense that they would grieve differently. And we, you know, for the most part, we need to talk it out. We need support. We need to have our girls, our parents, you know, we need to talk about it. We need support. Process. And for them, they want to fix it. They want to fix you. They don't want to see you unhappy, you know, and they just feel it's their job to fix things. And even though they're hurting, they just show it in a different way. That makes complete and total sense. So I imagine that it would be very, very challenging to be a married couple and have a common loss, right? But then judge the other's way of grieving. Happens all the time. Yep. That's very interesting. I had not thought of that. Yeah. I mean, 
because you just just as a rule, men and women are different. I think we're allowed to say that, you know, that they're just different. And it's just the same way we do, we run a business and the same way that we raise our children. We're, you know, we just do things so much differently. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I'm just, I'm not surprised that a lot of marriages fall apart after this. So this terrible thing has happened to you, to your family. When do you get to be happy again? <laughs> so way too long. And, and this is why I wanted to work with other moms is that I wanted to encourage them to look for the thing that lights them up a little bit sooner than what I did. I went through just a very numb life. I, I, you know, I'm not going to say I was never happy. I was, I, I had my kids. I think I got most of the joy that I was able to experience for many years was through them, you know, just do it, whatever they were doing and their accomplishments. My accomplishments were nothing. I mean, I, I went to, I worked, um, my husband ended up becoming a builder and, um, and I was a real estate agent. So we worked together on that and, but it was never my dream. Like I never worked at anything that was my dream. It was just always kind of following along, making it happen for someone else, you know, doing whatever I needed to do to support those dreams and those aspirations. And, um, you know, I was unhappy for a long time, but him being a builder, at, in those years where everything fell apart with the mortgage crisis and all that, mm -hmm. our entire life fell apart. Everything. We, it was so stressful. I, I just can't even explain the stress of the money. And um, our house was foreclosed on. Uh, we just lost everything in, in a moment, like overnight everything, the, the wool, the rug was pulled out from under us. And so I ended up just going back to work to get another job because we needed to get some money for groceries next week, you know? And so through that time, even though everything was so hard and so stressful, once it was done, like the financial stress was over, even though we were broke, we didn't have all of those complications of all of the loans and the payments and the, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul and moving money around, you know? And so with all of that came simplicity and the simplicity is what made me be able to realize like, why am I staying in this marriage? I don't want to be here anymore. And I've heard many times, you know, I mean, honestly, I was kind of a little baby all the years that I was married. I would always be complaining that I wasn't happy and people would always, you know, tell me, well, do this or do this. And I just, you know, is I didn't do anything about it. And finally, you know, it was like a switch got flipped and I, nothing could stop me from from making this decision. And I will say like a big corny part of the whole thing 
was going to a Zumba class, which <laughs> I'm like always embarrassed to tell people this because it seems so freaking corny. But what I felt in that first class was just like a like a real joy feeling that I hadn't felt in my in a very long time. Didn't come from someone else. Didn't come from me watching Brooke hit a home run or Colin hit a home run or whatever, you know, the case may be. It just came from me doing something that just felt good. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want, I remember this feeling. I want more of this feeling. Right. And so then it was like a snowball effect. And I just, I just, took the steps that I needed to, even though it was really difficult. And, you know, it was hard on my family. Um, My son was 16. So I thought that he was old enough. But it still hurt him. And, you know, I, you know, I say that I made mistakes and, and I did because I, I never wanted to hurt anyone in order to find my own happiness. And, you know, I just have to live with some of the things that I did and some stupid mistakes that I made, but I am, you know, looking back on it saying, well, you know, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm so happy today. And again, I don't want to keep talking and talking, but this is another part of my message, which is that so afraid to tell these moms sometimes that you can be happy again, because they don't really, especially in the beginning, they don't want to hear it. They don't believe it. And they feel like it can never happen to them because they loved their child so much. Does it feel like a betrayal to be happy again? Yes. Yeah. And I, yes. And that's exactly I think the thing that you have to fight with as you're making this decision, and it is a decision to be happy again and not feel like you're betraying. And, you know, I mean, you can say what you want to people. Oh, Nick would want you to be happy and all of this stuff. But when you're going through it, none of that means anything. It's just words. You have to finally get to the point where you realize I have a decision. And initially you don't have a decision. Initially you're in shock. You don't have a decision to be happy the day after the week, month after you don't have a decision. It takes years to get to that point. I would say, you know, a few years to be able to even make a decision like that. But for me, even longer, but it is a decision. You know, you have to say, I'm going to try to be happy instead of, I'm going to let this thing basically end my life, even though I'm still here breathing. Right. And get those little snippets of joy. I I imagine that like, first of all, I, I completely resonate with the whole Zumba thing because that was my exact experience. Okay. My good. exact experience. <laughs> um, I want to say Jamie was my first instructor at the, um, the mine too. Yeah. Mine too. And I walked into that place and I was just like, (laughs) it was like a magical door had been opened and I did not think about one single thing, not one single thing. 
not one, not one for an entire for a whole hour, for an entire <laughs> hour. And then I afterwards, know. I just wore it like, oh my gosh, that just happened. And this was back when Zumba was still like a big deal. And I, I totally, totally resonate with that. And honestly, in, in becoming an instructor, it, it opened the door for so many other things. Just being an instructor um, in its own way put me on other stages, other kinds of stages. Yeah, and so it, it's it's been an interesting an interesting thing in my story too. But if you if you know that kind of like exhausting joy that is literally just yours. Um, I, I completely understand. And this idea of stepping out from behind somebody when you've been sort of the wind beneath their wings, the back player, like it's, it's really hard, I think, to say, yeah, but do I have permission to do my own thing? Do I have permission to own my own happiness? And the answer is always, yeah, you can pretty yeah, much you do, do whatever you want, man. You you can. Now, I had a, an interesting conversation with somebody the other day where I was like, listen, you don't ever have to apologize for your opinions. You don't ever have to apologize for your decisions. What you have to apologize for is the hurt that they cause. But sometimes those opinions, you get to have them. Yeah. Your own decisions, you get to own them. That's Good, right, or indifferent. You get to own the entire story around that. Now, any hurt that it causes, certainly you can apologize for that, but we have to be responsible for our own happiness. Right. Yeah. I I hate hurting people, you know. So I mean, hard. I don't ever want to do that. And you know, just this whole visibility idea, like being an instructor and being visible, that was a huge step for me. And something I, I don't think I ever really reconciled myself to it because I, I always considered myself just like being a little invisible and more comfortable being invisible. And so it was a weird combination of things for me, but I just always felt like, well, I'm not for everyone, but I know that I'm for someone. There's someone like me that, you know, wants to try this thing and maybe I can just help them feel more comfortable doing it. So it was always a really weird combination of things for me, but. But did, okay. So this was again, very similar to there was a moment in my life where I was, it literally felt like that, that old song that we used to sing as kids that like this little light of mine, like hide it under a bushel. No. And then I'd cover it back up. I'm like, hi, I'm here, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> because I was so, I had so trained myself to stay small, to stay in the background. Um, but then I would be like, <gasps> and <laughs> yep, be like, every no, once in a while, like, it's like, whoop. But Oops, I let it out, but it's a little, I don't want to use the word addicting, but it is for me again, it opened the next door. It opened the next door. It made me brave enough to walk through the next door. Has that been your experience with your Absolutely. businesses and your, tell yes. us a little bit about that. 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, Zumba, doing that was the beginning of everything for me and making huge changes in my life. So, yeah, I um, I was working for the man for like 10 years after the whole business debacle, oh, the building debacle. And um, I had an opportunity to get a couple of bookkeeping clients and I just kind of decided that. I was going to be able to do this bookkeeping and do this passion work of working with these moms. And I just thought, you know, maybe I'll do like 75% coaching and 25% bookkeeping. And, you know, that'll be a good little mix. And what ended up happening was that's not what, it's not how it worked out. The percentages (laughs) did not work out as much as I tried to make that be the way that it was. There were so many things that weren't weren't coming together for me on the coaching side. And I still do coaching, but I was putting so much pressure on myself to have that be the way I earned my living that I didn't enjoy and feel like I was doing good work because I was just on a pressure, you know, just in pressure to get money going. And um, so... As it's worked out, as I've, you know, realized this over the past, it's almost two years now since I quit my job. Um, you know, I just realized that those percentages kind of had to flip. And so I just started putting the bookkeeping out there more. And honestly, it's just been so much easier. And one of the things with coaching, and I think it's unique with these moms, and I don't think it exists I mean, honestly, I keep trying to tell like business coaches whenever I'm telling them it's just not the same and they'll be like, yes, it is the same, but, but it's not because hard. Yeah. Because of the conflict that you mentioned that the little nagging guilt over trying to get better over trying to take steps forward over trying to be happy. Um, it's so unpredictable and moms will want to do it one day and they'll sign up. And then the next day they can't show up because Mm -hmm. they, and that it's just what I'm doing now with them is just, I'm there meeting them when they need me, right? you know, when they reach out to me and I have a group of moms that I become very close with. And so I look at it now, like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think there's a world in which you don't have to get paid for your purpose. Right. I mean, that's not, that's not the only qualification for success is what I'm saying. So, I mean, I think that, yeah, you got to pay the bills and you can have this other really important mission that doesn't pay you. Right. And I, you know, when I quit my job and I was doing this coaching class, this grief coaching class, and I was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be I'm going to be making my living doing what I have passion for, but, and I know anyone who's watching this, anyone who's trying to do something similar is going to relate to this and that it's, it's just not that easy. Nope. And you know, you have to be a special kind of person to be able to pull all the pieces together. You don't just get to help people. You also have to be a social media guru. You know how to set up a website, write the copy. A video um, editor. Yes. Uh, yeah. Be yeah, on Facebook editor. lives all the time and initiate blog posts and 
it's way more. Yeah. And so the people that do it and do it well are super women, you know, they are amazing, but you know, for me, I just, it just didn't seem to be going in that direction. So, um, I, the best feeling that I've had lately since I've made this decision and kind of flipped those percentages is that I'm feeling what success feels like a little bit. And I haven't felt that before as a bookkeeper, as a bookkeeper. And it's easy, you know, instead of me like banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out the exact right words to say to someone (laughs) and, you know, like, and, and I'm not making fun of it. I understand how hard it is, but I just feel like in my niche, it was, it was very complicated. And I just, I was really struggling with it. So it feels really nice to like look at my books and say, wow, I doubled my income this year. How did I do that? I didn't even realize that I did that. Yeah. And and for those of you who don't know, Karen's like tagline is I love making your financial messes neat and clean and tidy. I mean, I, I cannot, I cannot wrap my, my mind around how or why you would want to do that because it just like is so overwhelming to me to think about financial stuff and you love it. You genuinely it's love weird. it. It's so weird. <laughs> but you know what? What's, what's fun about it? It's not my own books because honestly, like I don't give them the same attention that I give other people's. But it is so fun for me to get it cleaned up and show someone it's cleaned up. And like, normally they don't really even get it. You know, like it's they like, don't really even. this closet I cleaned yeah, up here in the shoes and the shirt. They're like, the oh, good. Keep doing that. But, um, <laughs> but then, you know, they get to go and do the thing that they want to do. And they don't have stress over the things that hang over them. Like they've got to do their taxes and it's, you know, it's getting late and I need to get all that stuff together. And so, I mean, and once it's cleaned up, it's really simple to keep it going. It's just that, that period there in between, but I know it's weird. I do like making things balanced. I'm I'm glad that there are people like you that exist Mm -hmm. though. God, God help those like me that are not organized. Um, little touch here as we're starting to get, we're going to get into our three G's in just a second, but, um, what can you tell me a little bit about Jerry? Cause I've never actually met him. I don't know <laughs> about that part of your life very much. You don't, you never don't. met him. I've never yeah, met you him. you need to. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to be happy on the other side. Yeah. So got a divorce and I went on match.com and it was the most disgusting <laughs> thing in the world. I went on a lot of yucky dates. I did not like it and I did not like myself and I, I just really did not enjoy it. And I was about to give up on it. And then I saw Jerry's profile and he was just so different, you know, just really artsy. And, you know, he had a guitar in one picture and he had a microphone in another picture. And I was like, and I thought he was cute. He has a beard and I love beards. So, um, so, you know, we met and he was very hesitant at first. He was at the end of his marriage too. So it was like, you know, we were both 
a little careful, but he was extra careful. He was like keeping me at arm's length for a while. But the when we saw each other and I walked into Coffee Underground and um, I saw him and I just don't know what, there was just something, we just connected. I saw, I looked in his eyes, he was smiling and he was just so different. He was so kind. He was so talkative, you know, and I, um, he just, you know, I just have never had anything like that before. And it was really everything I've always wanted, you know, like when I met my first husband in high school, I, I mean, I was 16, 15 years old mm. and like, all I wanted to do was hold his hand and he wouldn't hold my hand, no PDAs. So this was just the complete opposite of that. You know, like he was proud to be with me and I was proud to be with him. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, you know, some things are just not really to be explained, I guess. It's okay. just, you know, it just, we just hit it off and I really do love him and he's not perfect and I'm not perfect, but um, I know that this is a relationship that's forever. That's awesome. I'm happy for you guys. I really am. Thank uh, you. I, I, I always say we try not to man bash too hard on here because there are good ones. There are good ones. They there do are exist. good ones. There are <laughs> they good do ones. Exist. All right. So now we're going to get a little bit into this last portion of our chat, which is the three G's. The okay. three G's are just a way that we kind of honor the past and apply it sort of to our to our, our current circumstances and then still look to the future taking with us along what we've learned and being full of hope in a future that's that's um always still it's still coming like we're, we're still in our own stories like we're, it's not done it's not like you have this thing and then you're done you get to live there forever um you know we're still working <laughs> towards a hopeful future so we set some goals for that so first one is gratitude what are you grateful for in your story looking back on your life looking back on your time hardships um successes what are you most grateful for in all of that i i mean obviously i'm most grateful for my kids but i'm i'm grateful for every experience that i've had even the bad ones because if i hadn't have had those i wouldn't be where i am today and you know, before I lost Nick, I, I think of myself and I think like I was just kind of a really silly, shallow person. I mean, I wasn't a bad person, but I'm such a better person now because I can, I just feel so deeply and I've learned so much. Yeah. What about Grace? What about your story? Where in your story do you still need to give yourself some grace? You may still need to forgive yourself a little bit. I mean, a couple of places. Obviously, I replay that date, January 12th, over and over in my head all the time. And what could I have done differently? Um, you know, but the bottom line is that I, if I want to just keep beating myself up over it, I can't change it it's done. And 
So I just have to make the best of it. And then, you know, just, I think just my period of in between being divorced and being in a new relationship, I give myself some grace for that. Cause I just ugh. I can imagine that's a pretty cringy time. <laughs> it's so cringy. I just don't even like thinking about it, but, um, but so what, what are your goals going forward? Um, I mean, you know, just like financially and with this bookkeeping business, I want to grow my business. I want to make it a success. Now that I've had a taste, I want it to become bigger. I want to hire people. I want to, you know, have people working for me. I want to help as many businesses as I can. But the reason for all that is that I want to finally feel like I'm worth something, you know, and then also just to make my life easier. You know, the financial struggle is just annoying and I'm over it, you know? So I just say, um, you know, I just want to make my life easier. So that's my goal. And then, you know, I just want to take care of my family and just make any relationships that aren't great better and keep going with the ones that are. Mm. Yeah. And that's always takes work. The relationship part. Yeah. It does. <sighs> thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And I only got like really, really messy a couple of times. So oh. I made it. I made it. I made yeah, it. I did too. Not at the parts I thought I was going to, but <laughs> um, you know, it's a beautiful had... thing to just women sharing their stories. I agree. And you know, like this group that you're you're in right now, like they're basically embodying the thing that we both talked about, which is having a freaking hour without worrying about something. Yep. It's worth everything. It is worth everything. I it agree. Really is. It really I is. I agree. And you know, it's funny because today, today, today is like the one year anniversary of when we made this little Facebook group for cardio dance babes. Then it was Corona dance babes. <laughs> I'm and glad you changed I know. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, the gym shut down. And so it's been a year since we've been doing this and it's evolved. It's evolved and it's changed. I'm really proud of what it's become. And because yes, we're, we're all about health and fitness and shaking that booty. And like, we're all about all of that, but we're also about encouraging women to live their best lives, find something that makes them happy, be happy with where they are and still want more for themselves. And that doesn't mean we're always happy. I mean, you know, you can't deny and this this is especially important for this like incredibly incredible story of yours. Like you can't deny bad shit. You can't you can't deny that it, it existed. Um but you have permission to work for your happiness. You have permission to work for your happiness. And no matter what those circumstances are, it's 
it's about the choice. It's about, it's about not being too hard on yourself. And it's, I can see where for your situation, it's taken many, 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 many years. I imagine for the women that you work with, that they're anywhere on that spectrum. I mean, you know, who can, who can tell them when the right time to be happy again is, but it has to be a choice. And then the decisions that follow after those are choices too. Um, it's, it's all very, very personal, but here in this space, I just want women to have the permission. If nobody's ever given them permission, let today be the day. Um, Yay. I, 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 I want it so badly for people to feel that empowered feeling of being able to step into that. And whether that's taking your first dance class or whether that's quitting a job you hate or whether it's looking in a mirror and just deciding, you know what? I'm cool with all this actually. And I bet I could do this, this, and this if I just kept showing up. Not, I think I could fit into this bikini or whatever, but you gotta be good with all of this and then make the decision to make health and fitness choices just for the sake of your own health and fitness. Right, and you for gotta, the right reason. For the right reasons, or mm -hmm. it just it just doesn't stick. I don't I don't know any True. other. I mean, I cannot tell you how many fad diets I've hated, how many workouts I have hated. It is so much easier if you do it with a heart of happiness, um, which is you know why I personally lo have loved dance fitness so much. And I'm so glad that it brought me to 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 you because me that's too. where we met. And it's I so know funny. I've met the most amazing people. The most amazing this. people. I know it, absolutely. This is a fantastic community. Thank you so much for being here with Thank me you. today. Um, I, I again, I so respect you as a fellow instructor, as a businesswoman, as someone who comes through my books. Um, <laughs> I, I just look up to you so much. You're, you're a delight. And I look at you, the first time I looked at you, you did not ever strike me as someone who is sad or someone who wears grief outwardly. Um, I know that grief is something that you carry with you no matter where you go and you can't shake it. it you really can't shake it. Um, and I don't say that to minimize the grief. The grief is a constant thing. But the work, the work that you have done is what is so impressive. And I think it just sets a fantastic example for all women who are, again, choosing happiness. So thank you again so much thank for joining you. us. That was fun. Thank you. <laughs>
The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to cardiodancebabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to cardiodancebabes.com slash stories.